Yo, what's up? Welcome back to the Just Different Podcast, where we talk everything faith, life, and culture. Look, y'all, before we get into anything else, I want to tell everyone who's tapped in, listening, happy Thanksgiving. I know it's this upcoming Thursday, but I hope each and every one of you has an amazing time with friends and family. I hope y'all eat them plates up, (laughs) just are able to sit back, relax, and enjoy yourself. Me and Jordan are extremely grateful, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, so thankful for each and every one of you who has continued to listen, tap in, and support us. The words of encouragement, every message, every DM, every comment, every time you shared, it means the world to us. Along with everything else we are like grateful for in the season, in these upcoming days, this is a big part of it, but more so the community behind it. Like we we tapped in for real. <laughs> you feel me? Think? Look, y'all twin. I'm just the JD gang, the family, and we love y'all. So I really hope everyone is able to just relax and enjoy themselves. We are extremely grateful for y'all. But with all that being said, today's conversation was a sit down we had with Catherine Warnock at Chosen Con. Now, this is something that we've mentioned a few times in different episodes, especially after the fact when we were coming back and giving our review of the experience that we were able to have while we were there. So just so y'all know a little bit about who you're listening to today, Catherine is a vice president of original content at The Chosen, and she's worked for some of the most reputable studios in the entertainment and media industry. When it comes to Paramount Studios, Warner Brothers, Sony to Ford, and many others. But even with this insane resume that she has, It doesn't even touch or compare to the genuine heart that she has for God and the passion she possesses for advancing the kingdom. Whenever we came back and we told you all, one of the biggest takeaways we had from that conference was that the people had such a genuine heart for God and a desire to make him known. In large part, we're speaking to the conversation that we had with Catherine and honestly, what we just were able to feel in her words. Her purpose in life, as she explains it, even in the conversation, is to be a bridge between faith and culture for everyone to be exposed to the goodness of God. So in this conversation, she explains a lot of her story in terms of how she was able to get into entertainment, even start working for The Chosen. But within this were so many gems that she dropped when it came to how to hear God's voice and develop a sensitive ear to his word, what it means to be a bondservant for Christ and how to be a bridge for the kingdom. So listen, y'all, this is one of the ones it is extremely insightful and more than anything, so encouraging. And I'm still getting so much from it. So I hope you all enjoyed this as much as we did and continue to. But this is our conversation with Catherine Warnock. So my first question for you is, I think we can all agree that The Chosen's Impact has expanded a Christian audience by far. People who believe in Jesus or may not really know him. And I want to know from your perspective, we've heard from all the actors, you know, Amanda, Dallas, but from where you stand and what you do, what do you think contributes to that in its entirety? So for me, um, my life was falling apart. I was a Christian leader. My life was totally falling apart. I had a, I was vice president of of a studio at the time. So, you know, I was successful. My life was falling apart. My marriage was basically ending. Um, God was uprooting shame in my life. This was before like Brene Brown was talking about shame, you know? So I had no one to turn to. And the Holy Spirit said, will you trust me? And that was really hard to actually, because I, I mean, I, 
it was, it's, it's what the world would say you're having a mental breakdown was where I was at. But I was still functioning on the outside. And he said, can you trust me? And he says, every day I will give you the strategy to get through this. Every day I will, you know, it was a two and a half year battle. And it's a really fun story for another day maybe. But this is the gold that came out of it. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit, in order to start unwinding the lies that were just tormenting me, he said, you need to understand that you have permission to be in process. Because I'm a recovering perfectionist. I'm like a recovering performer. And I didn't know this about myself. And this was part of what led to the mental breakdown. And so I started going, teach me what that means. Because the church doesn't talk about that. We don't. We're starting to. So I think the show in particular shows that the humanity, the mess, us making a mess of things, us not being perfect, but willing, or even in some cases not willing, and Jesus continually meeting us right where we are and calling us, just come a little further, come a little further. So permission to be in process. I think I always say to me, that's, that's the hook of the show. The beauty of the chosen. Yeah, I can definitely see that. For sure, for sure. One thing I wanted to ask, because we got into it, you know, earlier with your bio, you've worked with several different studios. Um, can you take us through a short little story of how you ended up working with The Chosen? I know it's probably a long story. But... It's a long story. How short? Give me a time frame and I'll hit it. Um, oh ten minutes. Oh, you got ten minutes? That's a long story. Okay. I'll try to go shorter for you. Okay. So I was a high school teacher. Division one track and field sprinter, became a high school teacher. I was then, I don't know if y'all have heard of the Toronto Airport Christian Church. Uh, there was revival going off for about a decade. They called it the, the Father's Renewal in Canada. And I was being mentored very beautifully by my aunt. And she brought me up there. And if you're going to walk away knowing anything about me, know that I am a bully to God. Like when he's like, you're going to eat the crumbs off my t- off the floor. I'm like, yes, I'll be a dog. I will, I'm coming for you. Matthew 11, 12. I'm going to storm heaven because you gave me access and I'm, I want it all. Like I'm a bully. I'm like the annoying salesperson on Jesus's doorstep. Like that's me. And so I went to this, this is a setup for where I'm going. I, w- I went to this conference and I demanded that God meet me. This is, I was new Christian, fairly new and very naive but that naivety was pure childlikeness. And God giggled about it and was kind to me. But I demanded he meet me. So within the first worship song of driving six hours into Canada, getting pulled over by the police, you know, because the kilometers, I, I didn't know the difference. Anyways, <laughs> guys, I was speeding so fast. Um, I was throwing a fit because he hadn't met me yet. How real do you want me to get? I'm going to scare about some of you in here. Let's go all the way. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Please. All about it. Because the Bible, can we agree the Bible's real? Yes. Okay. So that's our, that's our preface. Okay. So I'm sitting down in the chair, sulking. Thank you, guys. Totally sulking. You didn't meet me yet. Next thing, and I've, this has never happened up to this point. I was a very normal Christian, kind of, up to this point. I feel a hand on my shoulder. And I start feeling fire. Next thing I know, I can see in the spirit. And it's a 10-foot angel just ministering to me. 
I feel the fire of God just like liquid lava through my body. And that started a weekend that transformed my life. I went to Canada one person, and I came back. I went to Canada, a high school teacher that wanted the white picket fence. I never wanted to leave America. I wanted 2.5 kids, the 0.5 being a dog. I wanted to marry a youth pastor. Like, I was fine. I left Canada ripping on fire, going, send me to the nations, Jesus. I didn't know what that meant. I find this missionary named Heidi Baker. Uh, she and her husband are in Mozambique, Africa, poorest, one of the poorest countries in the world. Um, violence riddled. They're the only organization, governmental or Christian-based, that is not pulled out of Mozambique. They're remarkable. They come to arrest her almost every day. Like, it's wild what, what happens there, guys. They're, what, you don't want to know what's happening over there. It will make you sick. I go to work and become a missionary in Mozambique, Africa. And it's there. I was like, I'm going to be here for the rest of my life. You know, cuddling orphans in the dirt, eating rice and beans, like covering my hair because it was super long and blonde. And um, I, they would just pull it all the time, um, the, the little kids. And they called me Katarina, Katarina, because in Mozambique it's Portuguese um, and local dialects. And they can't say Catherine. So uh, that was my home. Like, I was like, I'm never leaving. Skip ahead to, I'm at dinner having fried chicken. And I'm coming back. Another angel shows up. And I, in a very dramatic fashion, get a very clear call from God, you will go to Hollywood. I don't know anything about Hollywood. I'm a high school teacher turned missionary who is filthy, head to toe in dirt. And I only, like, you want me to be an actor? <laughs> I was like, it's all I knew. I was like, I would be a terrible actor. <laughs> um, but he just said, will you give me your yes? And it was a very long story. I won't bore you with the details, but God often will give you a call and then ask, take you as far away from the call as possible to get you your character ready. So I always say two things. I always say we get a call by God, but then there's a great chasm before you actually walk in that call, if you ever walk in that call, and it's a big if. And the thing that gets you across that chasm is sonship and an identical know-how to be a bondservant. They have to coexist. Um, so that was the next 12 years of that. A lot of craziness, a lot of craziness. And then next thing I know, I'm head of faith and family content of MGM Film Studios, working for Mark Burnett, one of the biggest producers of our time, Survivor, The Voice, Hands Made Tail. What? I was a high school teacher. Right. No training. Mm -hmm. I just said yes. Just said yes. That's what I'm talking about. She be preaching. Like, Yo, this isn't just... <laughs> Yo. One thing about Catherine, Yo. listen, and that's amazing, and I've heard you speak about so much when it comes to integrity and what it looks like to stand true to like just what you believe in the industry that you're in. And I don't know who you were speaking to yesterday, but you talked about that you almost seemed or it was that you delayed your career in maybe 10 years because there was something that you wouldn't do and or say yes to because of the faith that you have. And so can you speak to that in terms of like during those moments, and those opportunities that come across your desk that could advance you and or put you in a better position, but don't align with your spirit or what you know God's calling you to like, what allows you to stay so grounded and just true to, you know, like, this is what I'm standing on no matter what? 
Such a good question. You guys are really good at this. Thank you. Um, so many things. Um, Christians more often than not like to just say Hollywood's super dark, mm. which it is. But it's also loud with hope and loud with an eagerness for the truth. So I know that when I'm about to say what I say. So, but it is all the things we think it is. It's, it's peacocking, it's politics, it's backstabbing, it's manipulation, it's ick. Um, and if you're a Christian that doesn't know how to be savvy, because mm. we say, it says, be sly as a serpent, as innocent as a dove. Mm. And in the Greek, it says, without any focus on selfish ambition. Mm. We focus on the be pure in the church. Yeah. Get rid of selfish ambition. Don't seek after a platform. How often do you hear a sermon on, y'all aren't savvy enough? That's good. You're not getting anywhere in the world mm -hmm. because you don't know how to be savvy. Because they're equal. They're an equal yoke. And so I was on a long journey of God going, how do you be savvy? So that's lesson one. It was a long journey of figuring that out. And it was some bumpy because I got a lot of things wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I also have been laid off nine different times. My bank account left at zero more often than I would like to share. And this is where if you have a call on your life and you're not seeing progress, I'm going to ask you, do you know how to be a bondservant? Because we know how to be a son. We know how to be a daughter. Our, this generation of church, we get that. Yeah. We're royalty. We're entitled. But in those moments when you've just had the gut punch, ripped, like the air ripped out of you because mm -hmm. you've just had the biggest sucker punch ever yeah. that God's allowed, you didn't create, but God's allowed, how do you keep going? How do you pick up your cross again and go? A son and a daughter is going to, I know my kids come screaming and whining at me, throwing a fit. Right. But who doesn't? Someone that knows how to be a bondservant. Someone that said, I am willing to be a slave to the most righteous master, the most holy, loving master known, known on the face of this earth. That is the only thing that will get you through. So those years of Hollywood... And I'm in good company. I'm like, Abraham Lincoln got laid off a lot. I'm in good company. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me. Um, so those are the biggest things of just, I, that's how I survived. And I've been really beat up a lot. A lot. Slander, you name it, all the things. Just without physicality. It's all been like to soul and heart and mind. Like, um, and Jesus is faithful. If I'm willing to be faithful. Of course, mm -hmm. always, yeah. He's always faithful. I mean, we got right theology here, but you mm -hmm. get my yeah, point. Yeah, of course, first, yeah. And I love that because, like, our mom used to tell us all the time, like, he who wins souls is wise. Yeah. And so when we're going out into these spaces in the world, we're wanting to be like, like lights and darkness. Like, we need to have that wit and that wisdom to understand what it looks like to be strategic and how we're presenting the gospel and getting that to people. So I love that. And you speak to, um, you mentioned it so many times. If you could explain it a bit more. I think it's Isaiah 54. I'm so glad you asked. Because you were talking the other day. It was with Allie in the other room. And I was literally taking notes. Like, your voice just has such a weight to it. And I was writing down notes. And then you had briefly kind of touched it. But I would love to hear you go more into depth about what that verse means to you. Maybe even like the season of life that you were in when you kind of received that revelation of, of that verse. Oh my gosh, they are so good at this. Guys, I do a lot of interviews. 
you're really good at this. Thank you, like, Catherine. Like you flow, you're personal. Like that's so rare. Thank you. Just to encourage you, like keep going, man. Anything I can do to help, I got you. Um, okay, and that's on record officially. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was creative director of a fashion studio at the time. It was a global brand. Um, anyone, media is a lot of hurry up and wait. Um, and it's high pressure, it's intense, it's drama, it's all the things. But fashion, it was built for like a drug addict. Yeah. It's like, like mm-hmm. unrelenting, you don't breathe, you sensory overloaded all the time, it's catty, it's, it's so much worse. Um, and, and it was extremely toxic. It was the most toxic environment I've ever been in professionally or personally. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have the power to change any of it. Like I wasn't in a level of like, like here at the chosen, I'm like, if something went haywire, I have the authority to go, uh, 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 not my house. I didn't there, but what did I have authority over the creative limb? So I said, okay, once these doors shut in this studio, this is mine. No one else gets a say over it. Like I might have to take some beatings, but underneath me, no one's going to feel it. And so Jesus, but that I was telling you about, you don't have time to talk about Jesus. You don't have time to minister. It's unrelenting. And even if you tried film, people kind of like, oh man, live your truth, you know? (laughs) And fashion, it's just like, oh. Right. Okay? So it's like, (laughs) it's just like, it's like go away with that. It's, it's It's a totally different vibe. And, um, so I said, Jesus, I can't. I'm not, I can't show that I'm living for you. I don't know how to do this. Like, I'm supposed to be a good Christian that shares my faith. I'm a terrible evangelist, but hey, well, it's okay. I don't evangelize for the record. I don't intercede and do a lot of intercessory prayer. Like, I accept who Jesus has made me to be. Um, it doesn't mean I don't pray. It doesn't mean I don't share the gospel, but it's, it, I don't put that pressure on myself. So I, instead I go, who did you make me to be? And he, showed, he said, Isaiah 54 too. And he said, it's a command that I didn't know existed in Scripture. And it says, with exertion, push out your tent peg so that others can come under and rest. That's the paraphrase. You're welcome. <laughs> and um, and I, it was like a light bulb went off. And I went, okay, so you're commanding me to push out this tent so that others can come under and rest. I don't have kids yet, so you're not talking about my babies. I, okay, what does that mean? And he said, Catherine, learn to hear the Lord's voice because that's step one of all of this. He said, Catherine, that tent is my presence. You are now the Ark of the Covenant. You are now the tabernacle. You house me. The tent of the living God lives inside of you. Your job is to, with exertion, push me out like, and let the living waters flow. That's your job. That should be your only focus in life. I tell people all the time, like, the chosen is just my assignment. It is not my identity. Like, mm-hmm. I'm here because God told me I want you to go there and put your tent over that production. I want you to go and put your tent over that cast. And this is the thing. So I started going, okay, let's practice this. Because God wants us to practice. It's okay if we don't get things right. And so I started practicing in the spirit. I started 
I did this in my classroom. I'd go in early and pray. I didn't know I was doing the tent thing. I'd pray over every desk. Yeah. And my students would come in and go, my maiden name was Lolly at the time. Miss Lolly, why does your room always just feel different? Like they, mm. they would literally say that. And I was like, oh my God, it's working. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't know that was the tent thing. Right. So skip ahead to years later, I'm in fashion. And I start just actively, like I would be under my desk and it, like models would come in high, drunk, you name it. Carrie, Dustin Tavella's wife, she was one of my models. She would come in high, drunk. Um, she was the first testimony of what I'm about to share with you. Mm. Just keep that into perspective. One of the biggest magicians in the world has his wife because God let me be part of her story. So, and if y'all only knew what they were doing in the hiddenness and what no one sees, you'd be like, these humans need like a book written about them. <laughs> they will. Um, and so I start just pushing like under my desk. If someone was high or drunk or whatever, I would just be like, because I'm like a visual person. Yeah. I'm like, I'm pushing my tent on you. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. And, um, and I really just stuck at it. I was like, I'm going to so press into you, Jesus. So worship you, Jesus, that you have and give you full reign. Do whatever you want in here. And so I just, I just, that was the only practice I cared about. And I did my job with excellence. And I just focused on worshiping him, giving him permission to reign, to be the tent. You following me so far? Yeah, yes. okay. Yes. So skip ahead. Models start coming in. I've stopped sleeping around. I don't know why. I've stopped drinking. I don't know why. Guys, I've stopped taking drugs. I don't know why. Guys, I've started going to church. Can you believe it? And I'm just sitting there because I still don't have time to talk to them. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting here going, what? <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on? And then I was out sick one day, and I hired a friend of mine who was a savvy Christian to dress my models, to style my models that day. And so she texted me, and she said, do you know why so-and-so became a Christian? Because at this point, we knew certain ones had started yeah. becoming Christians. My staff started becoming Christians. I said, no, why? She goes, because of you. I said, what? I've never spoken to her a day in my life about Jesus. I'm, she doesn't, does she even know I'm a Christian? She goes, no. She said she would come in here any time you would hire her, riddle and anxiety, whatever high, whatever it might be. And she said it would immediately all lift the moment she walked, the moment those doors shut, it would lift. Because that's, remember I told you, the moment those doors shut, this is mine. This is my tent. Everything else has to bow. So she said, and I would just be, it would, I would just be at peace. It's the only time in my life I'd be at peace. I would leave, it would all come back. Yeah. So she said, I started taking notice of this. So I started seeking around for it. I went to New Age, Ouija boards. Like She's like, I just was exploring, trying to find this thing. She didn't know what she was doing. It was all subconscious. Then a friend of hers invited her to church. Hello, it takes the body. Invited her to church. She walked into the church, and she immediately, um, she went, she immediately just went, this is it. This is what I feel in Catherine's studio. Come to find out, she's like, she finds out later because she just keeps going. She accepts Jesus. She then learns it's the Holy Spirit. And that's the end. That's, and so from that moment on, I was like, this is real. No one will ever get me off this scent. I'm now going to be a bully with my tent. I am unapologetic about it. Right. 
And um, it's my life mission to teach the body of Christ to do the same. That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Live it up, man. For someone who doesn't evangelize, like, whew, you can teach. Anyway. Real talk. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you spoke to something that I love is the fact that you had to really come in to accept, like, who you were. But that, you know, you're not necessarily intercessor or evangelist, but the role that you know that you have is a gift God's given you to display his glory to the world. And that's how hard what we do with our podcast when people always know. So, like, how did you, like, wrestle with that? Did you ever feel that, like, you know, you were pushed in some direction that, like, no, like, I don't want to be like this or that. Like, this is what I'm called to in terms of, you know, media and entertainment. I think I'll dial it down to, like, the simplistic start. Like, don't despise small beginnings. He means it. Um so, um, so I was saved in an inner city, all black church, the only white girl everywhere I went. Um, and this is important because most white evangelical churches, this isn't the emphasis, the, the fivefold ministry. Mm-hmm. So in, in my church in particular, it was a very strong emphasis, the fivefold ministry. And so I was like, it felt at least to a new Christian, if I'm not one of these fivefold, if I'm not an apostle, a preacher, right. or a teacher, an evangelist, et cetera, I was like, I'm failing the body of Christ. Exactly. And so I began crying out to God, like, which one am I? Like, reveal it to me. And crickets, silence. And I was getting so angry. Skip ahead a year and a half later, he finally decides to answer me, which is so annoying. <laughs> and he goes, again, learn to hear his voice, people. <laughs> he goes, you're a bridge. And I was like, no, I want to be a prophet. <laughs> He's like, no, you're a bridge. And I was like, that's so lame. I was like, no one's going to take me seriously. That's not even a real thing, God. That's like a participation award. Like, no. And um, but so, again, this is where being the daughter doesn't always work. I have to become the bondservant. And so I was like, not my will be done. Yours, mm-hmm. Lord. Like, just teach me what that means. Skip ahead to years. He just taught me, I'm going to. He goes, Catherine, you're the only white person in all black church. That's a bridge. Mm-hmm. Catherine, you're the only white sprinter in like basically all of Division I athletics. That's a bridge. Mm-hmm. Catherine, you are in, I brought you from Phoenix, Arizona, where unity among cultures and races is commonplace to segregated Detroit, Michigan. That's a bridge. Mm-hmm. And he just started showing me and teaching me what a bridge is and how much he desires his people to be just bridges. The show is a bridge. And that's where it started. And then skip ahead to the first time I, because I was almost embarrassed to tell people because I that that's what God called me because I, I didn't think it was a real gift. Mm. Am I making sense? No. Yes. Yeah. Until I was sitting in a boardroom with Mark Burnett, who at the time was the head of MGM Film Studios, and he just goes, "No, guys, I'm a bridge. You need to understand, I'm a bridge, and that's what makes me one of the biggest producers in the world." And I just sat there and I was like, "Don't cry, don't cry, don't." <laughs> like suddenly, it all made sense. I was like, so from that moment on, I just went, my job is to unify, bridge mainstream content to faith content, to elevate faith content, to de-cheese it, to make it relevant so that mainstream will come and go, how do we do what you're doing? Something about the Gen Z documentary, one of the heads of one of the biggest studios in the world watched that. He's not a Christian. He watched it and he said, who made this? This is the best documentary I've ever seen in my life. And he goes, how did you do the casting? I don't understand. And I was like, well, Holy Spirit, 
Would you like me to introduce you to him? <laughs> I know so does someone. That, does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. No, and it's crazy. I just had this conversation that when it comes to Christianity, we are the ones that are meant to set the standard for everything that's happening within the culture, right? Like we should be the ones that are admired and looked at. And when we, they ask, okay, like what is the secret? What is like the formula? What this looks like? Well, like I know a guy, you know, like, um, <laughs> So from your perspective, what do you think is missing? As you said, like the chosen is a bridge, like what you've been able to do thus far is as well. So when you think about just bridging the two, the faith content with mainstream media, from what you see, your, your observations, what is missing and what makes the chosen different in that regard of how it's been able to be this bridge, like unprecedentedly? Yeah. I think what's missing just across the board, the workers are few. Hmm. And there are a lot of Christians in Hollywood you will be very hard-pressed to find any that smell like the blood of Jesus. That's not a critique to them. That's God saying, I need more. Mm. I need more from my people. And he's making a way. Um, so that's my passion. Like, I go to churches, I go anywhere, and I'm like, I've got to, like, I run with, y'all need to know this, I run with people that have so mastered being savvy and pure and be madly in love with Jesus. Like, that's all they care about. They are bringing, the, the CIA is coming to them. The FBI is coming wow. to them. Huge tech conglomerates are coming to them going, can you do that thing you do where you get the intel and you, you bring it to us and we save 500 women out of a sex trafficking ring? Can you do that for us again? And they're like, they, 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 they like nickname it like the secret sauce, the like special mm -hmm. K. Like they nickname it all these things of just like, do you know what I mean? Because it's just like, we need to re stop being afraid of the gifts of the spirit. Mm -hmm. And we need to be mighty and we need to be ready, but we have to be savvy. And that's what's missing. Of course. And the chosen is very good at being all of the above. Mm. I love that. Yeah, that's I think amazing. everything that you're speaking to is reminding me of this message that I just heard. And he was speaking to when we were created, when God created us in Genesis, he says, let us create man in our own image and give them dominion over the earth. Right. So this idea, even that the whole tent thing took me to that message, like taking your dominion. Right. So that I just I just love all that. But in your story and everything that you've been talking about, the importance of hearing the Lord's voice has been coming up over and over again, which I wholeheartedly agree with. Um, and I want to kind of park the car here for a second and just talk, speak to how did you learn to cultivate that sensitive ear for the spirit and the Lord's voice in your life? So I was raised a thoroughbred Catholic, not really practicing. It was just the tradition, right? So I didn't, I thought I knew Jesus. I thought all the things. Um, <clears throat> so for me, it started my aunt, who is the greatest woman of God I've ever met. She's just a hidden general in the kingdom. Um, she just immediately started discipling me. Discipleship is everything. And I've been fortunate enough to have been discipled very, very well. And let me be clear, discipleship really sucks. Yeah. Because it means you get kicked up the bum a lot. Right. And you, you, you get said, hey, you either get off this bus or you keep going up that mountain. It's like Navy SEAL training. And very few of us want it because it's horrible. Like, no one likes being told, you, you know, get your, get your poop together. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, <clears throat> it started with um, 
From day one, I read that Bible and I just knew it was real. I just knew it was real. And it just was, you know how like God has put his laws inside of us? That was like the number one law he put in me. Like, I just know without a shadow of a doubt that everything I read in there is for us today. Right. So I didn't know what I was doing. I'm fumbling around in my room playing the same horrible gospel song over and over again because what I know now is I just felt the spirit of God on it. But I didn't know that's what, I'm a brand new baby. And I just would do day after day after day for weeks, for weeks, just not knowing, but I was hunting. I was Matthew eleven twelve from the days of John the Baptist to the present time, the kingdom of heaven is suffering violent assault and violent people take it by force because they seek after it as the most precious prize with the most adherent zeal. I didn't know that's what I was doing. Mm. I was learning how to just punch, right. punch, punch. And this song was just helping me punch. It was, let it be a sweet, sweet song, a fragrance. So weeks in, next thing I know, I feel this man come in and just hug me. And I whip around because I think my boyfriend just entered the room or something. I didn't know what was going on. No one's there. But I feel this bear hug, the most healing bear hug I've ever felt in my life. And it was from that moment that God just showed me that the impossible is absolutely possible. And that if I'm willing to just press into him. So that's the start of it. And then my aunt was nine months pregnant at the time with her fourth baby, homeschooling all her kids, like has no time. She goes, God told me I need to teach, before you go back up to school, it was now summer break. She goes, I need to get in your belly how to hear God's voice or you will not make it through this next school year. And boy, was she right because it was, it was a very traumatic year. So she got a whole bunch of women together, nine months pregnant in the heat humidity of Detroit and taught me how to hear the Lord's voice using Hearing God's Voice by Mark Verkler. Mm-hmm. And it changed my life. It absolutely changed my life. So she, she said, you will not be able to survive if I don't get in your belly how to hear the Lord's voice. That's amazing. And so shifting more to the chosen, we've t- had like a lot of stories of people talking to how emotional it's been in terms of like experiences that have been very somber and like like serious. But from your experience with even some of the content you've worked on with the Gen Z documentary, what's been something that's just brought you pure joy, big smiles, laughter, things of that, anything in between? Oh my gosh, so many. I'm trying to like dial it down to one. Something that's brought me so, oh my gosh, there's so many. So much joy. I think my, what you guys saw on the cast and creator panel today, we get to live that with the cast. Mm. And I take the cast international a lot. So I get to like live with them and like do, and they are so honorable. Like they're just the nicest, most amazing, hilarious humans on the planet. So it's just constant jokes, constant that. Um, what is wild is the chosen opens unprecedented doors globally for us. And so I feel like I get to, cause I'm a history nerd and we get to like, we get take, like, well, they'll take us into this. I, I can't give away any specifics cause it's part of a project, but they'll take us into this hidden nook and cranny. And they're like, yeah, the only other person we've let in here in 600 years is Tom Cruise. Wow. That's and so insane. then the cast and I just go, what? <laughs> so it's like, Moments like that, I just get to be a total kid. The cast freak out. They feel like it's just, we feel like we get spoiled all the time.
time. Mm-hmm. So it's just stories like that time and time again. Um, gosh, there's so many, but. No, of course. So um, I know you worked on like the Gen Z documentary, of course. I've yet to see it. I'm definitely going to watch it right I after watched, this. I watched it like two hours ago. I literally just watched it. It was amazing. What did you think? It Besides, amazing. it was amazing. Life changing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. All the synonyms, all of them. It was great. I loved it. Yeah. So, but I want to know kind of like what, what's next? You all plan on doing anything like similar with a different group of people? Kind of like what's your idea with where you want to take this original content that the children's doing? Because it's amazing. So, um, we have one documentary series wrapped and it, it's through post, it's finalized, and we might be revealing it to you semi soon. We have um, another project that will be announced tomorrow. Um, We've been for a year and a half working on the most thrilling project that involved all of our cast that um, we've recently had to postpone due to the conflict between Israel and Palestine, which has been heartbreaking for all of us because we have so many partners on the ground in Israel. We have so much love for Palestine. Um, And so it's it's with really heavy hearts that we um, entered this week, if I'm going to be really honest. Um, But we will prevail. We will Mm -hmm. go finish our project. So all those things are what I do. Um, We're also, Dallas has made it no secret. We're, we're definitely exploring what's next after the chosen. Um, And we've got some really great potential ideas for you guys. All right. I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Um, so you just spoke to like the conflict that's happening and the second I halted production. And I know the writer's strike has also like maybe contributed a bit to like things that are happening behind the scenes with the chosen, but have you all collectively yourself kind of handled that adversity that has come um, in creating like anything? I don't know if you've even experienced that with the Gen Z documentary where it may have been like a hiccup, uh, maybe it went really smoothly, but have you like just overcome those particular moments within itself? I think it's such a good question because people think maybe like, oh, they're just living the life. Hmm. It's excruciatingly hard what we do every day. That man Dallas and Brad Pello carry more weight than any human I've I've personally, apart from Heidi and Rowland Baker, that I've watched have to carry. Mm -hmm. The constant frontal onslaught, and I will call it an onslaught, of chaos or circumstances The moment we get through one, because I'm part of the executive team. I'm the only female on the executive team. But um, we just go, okay, we can breathe for a minute. And then, boom, blindsided with something. So that's where we just go, you know, like, we're just like, this is not normal. Mm -hmm. Lord, give us your grace. Like, the thing we probably pray for, the two things we pray for the most, grace and grace and wisdom. Um. And so be praying for us because we don't talk that often about that side. But it's excruciatingly hard. We all have babies at home. We all have families. We all fight hard for good boundaries. Um, Yeah, that's the side that we don't need to like really focus on, but it's good for y'all to be aware. Yeah, 100%. And you just spoke to being like the only woman um, the which is the only woman executive executive yes. of course so kind of like how's that experience been like working with the chosen we got to hear from like the woman of the chosen yesterday with Annie which was like insane absolutely crazy white? yes um, so kind of what's your experience been like working with everyone like as the only woman on the executive board and, like how's that differed from maybe your experiences in the past like in the industry yeah do you guys want to hear like because women in the industry um, to f- most women in the industry that climb to the top 
because where I currently am would be considered, a, you know, a version of the top, um, have had to do that fighting tooth and nail, um, losing huge parts of their f- potential femininity or identity, not as, not, as a, uh, not as a criticism to them at all. Like, they fought hard to f- forge the path mm-hmm. for the women to come behind them. So because of me have, delaying my career by 10, 12 years, because I just refused to change anything about who God made me, I was able to come into this position fully female, fully alive in who God made me to be without the harshness and the brassness that might, might have come through traditional Hollywood, if that makes sense. So, and this is where being the bridge of, you just kind of see that the chess game God has been playing for so long. I'm like, I'm an athlete. I think like a man on that. We, we get, um, we get, um, uh, mentorship from a world-leading executive mentor, and he does all this testing on us. Guess who on our entire executive staff tests the close, the closest to Dallas and Daryl? Me. But if you you saw Daryl and I sitting there, we're totally different. And they love that, and it's why they're like, that's why you understand us so much. Mm-hmm. That's why you don't get frustrated with us because they're like. They're kind of psychos. They're like mad. I call them mad scientists. Like they're total mad scientists. And so that's how is I'm like, God, and this is where if we let God so reign in our bodies and so re and so just renew our minds, he means it. When I first became a Christian, I had taken a, a brain test of like, are you left brain? Are you right brain? And I was super far, far on the like administrative, side, like zero creativity the more I pressed into God and healing and the more I pressed into just him redeeming my life, I retook that test 10 years later. Guess what? Dead bang on the middle. And I just marveled at that. And when I went through that long two and a half year season of just walking through shame and that horrific just season that that was, that was tormenting, I came out of it going, I completely, like my brain was like, it was like another degree, another ability to just navigate mass different personalities while fully retaining who I was without any selfish ambition or need in the midst. My identity was like fully here. And so it's a long answer, but it's an important one. Of course. Um, Because that's how, because even the executive mentor, he goes, normally I would be so against you being the only female. But we're adamant. We're like, whoever God brings is going to be the hire. Mm-hmm. Like Christoph, when I first met him, I was interview- I was meeting with him to bring him on as a partner. He was with another organization. And God just went, you need to hire him. So I right then and there, I stopped, I stopped the partnership collaboration. You don't do this. And I said, can you come work for me? I said, I'm serious. And he just freezes up. I said, okay, if you know of anyone that I can hire, I'm going to send you my... The, the link to a job right. opening I have. Like, it's just constantly like whoever God puts. So he goes, but because it's you and it's how you're wired and because you never play the female card and you're, you're deeply collaborative, your peers are deeply collaborative. They understand the need of female input. I mean, Amanda Jenkins, hello. Like that woman, like inputs. Um, it works. And there's tons of women that work for our org, of course. Yeah. But. No, full circles. I keep preparing you the whole way with everything. And so with that kind of ending, I want to know, I think this was asked a few times to a few people, maybe Amanda in Dallas, but what is the biggest lesson that Chosen has taught you 
within the series itself, but also as you've just been working with the content, being behind the scenes on the exec board, producers, actors, what are some of those lessons that you hold dear and you're going to take with you, you know, forever? Doing God's work is really hard, (laughs) really messy. And a lot of times it sucks. But he's everywhere. And there will be times when I'll, sorry, I'm not a crier, so I'll be sitting in an executive strategy week or meeting or, and I'll just go stone cold quiet because I'll just feel the overwhelming presence of God sustaining us, directing us. And what's amazing about our staff and our executive team, we're all deeply diverse faith backgrounds, like diverse. It's what I've dreamed of seeing. I've dreamed of seeing the various streams of Christianity, even non-Christians on our staff, come together and be able to collectively press in for kingdom work. (sighs) And um, it's magical, but that's what sustains us. 100%. 100%. That's that. amazing. Yeah. Well, can you make some noise for Catherine Warnock? Like, oh. what? <laughs> so, look, I hope you all were able to take something away from this episode and see why this is one of our favorites ever and why we absolutely love Catherine. But if you're listening on Spotify, leave a comment or just DM us on Instagram and let us know what you loved about this episode and what your biggest takeaway was. There were so many gems in here for me, and I'm still picking apart a lot of different things that she said when I listen back. So don't hesitate. Feel free to reach out. We want to have a conversation with you all. And this is one of those ones. But as always, stay you, stay real and stay humble. We'll talk soon. Much love.